Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to Running the 615. This is your host, Drew Jones. Today, you are listening to Episode 9, and our guest is Catherine DeFada. Catherine is a therapist here in Nashville, Tennessee, at her practice, Three Chords Therapy, and she was just voted Top Mental Health Therapist by Nashville Fit Magazine, which is super cool. Catherine grew up in Franklin, Tennessee, then she went to undergrad at Southern Miss University, then came back to Nashville for her master's degree at Vanderbilt and has lived here ever since. Catherine has a very interesting running story, and I really enjoyed talking to her and hearing about her life. Catherine also has a podcast called You Need Therapy, which is an awesome name. She has great insight on running and its benefits. She was really fun to talk to, and there's just a lot of great content in this episode. It is, in fact, the longest episode we have now in the running the 615 catalog. So I don't want to wait another second. Let's get to it. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Here we go. Catherine DeFada. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Running the 615. I'm sitting across from Catherine DeFada. Catherine, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Did I say that last name right? You said it yes. exactly right. I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, what you do as a profession. Of course, we're going to talk about running in Nashville as well, as we always do on Running the 615. But you already said you know, that people called you Cat after college. So if you don't mind, mm-hmm. if we could start there with you where you went to college, Mm -hmm. and then how you went through making the career choice that you did, and even a little bit of what it's been like since you have chosen this career path as a therapist. Yeah, so I went to Southern Mississippi, (laughs) which I laugh because I don't really know why I went there. So I'm from Franklin. Long story short, my sister played soccer there. And all my siblings- Was she there when you went there? She was there. She's two years older. So she played soccer all of my siblings actually played sports in college except me. How many siblings do you have? Three. So I have an older sister or older brother who played football at MTSU and a younger brother who played football at ETSU. And then there was me. <laughs> but I started taking classes in the child and family studies department and then later changed my degree to that. And I didn't know that I wanted to be a therapist, but I knew the information I was learning, I liked. And so I always thought like, if I just like, you know, get married after college, I'm just learning how to be like a good human being. And long story short, I took a marriage and family therapy class, loved that, wanted to be a marriage and family therapist. And then I applied to a bunch of schools, got into Southern Mrs. program for grad school, And I also got into a couple other ones, Virginia Tech and Vanderbilt, but those were counseling programs. So a lot of people don't understand there's licensed professional counselor and then there's a marriage and family therapist and they're different degrees. Separate entities. They're separate. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a marriage and family therapist, but I couldn't stay in Hattiesburg, which is where Southern Miss is, any longer. Four years was... was Well, that and... I don't know if we want to get into this now, but I, I was unhealthy. So I needed to leave which I'm really glad I had that awareness. And so I ended up going to Vanderbilt. Realized family was still back here. Family's We're here. back here in Middle from Tennessee. Franklin. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. So that was a good decision as much for your life and just your overall health as it yes. was where you were choosing to go to school. Oh my God, Southern yeah. Miss undergrad and then Vanderbilt for graduate school. Mm-hmm. And then did you go the counseling route? 
I did. So I learned really quickly that I like hate doing couples and family work. Wow. So, good to learn that. Really there you glad. go. <laughs> for a lot of reasons, it really worked out for the best. But uh, this yeah. lo- I love that sentence. I hate family consultation. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's very different. It's so different being I'm in a room sure, with yeah. a bunch of people and it's like a lot of conversations and thoughts or just being able to zone in on one person's story. That makes sense. I'm much better with one person's story. So that's how I became a therapist. Yeah. Through Vanderbilt. And so mm-hmm. how long was the graduate program at Vanderbilt? It was supposed to be two years and then they decided to make it three years the year I started. So yeah, it was three years. And in that three years, I did a practicum and an internship at a treatment center, ended up getting a job at that treatment center. And that was what I thought was my dream job. And then I learned that that wasn't my dream job. That's all about learning. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's yeah. probably similar to most people. I, I really have been looking forward to this interview mm-hmm. because I think you're going to have some insight into running for mm-hmm. sure. And obviously life that, uh, you know, we haven't had on running the 615 that, you know, I obviously want to get into. But let's start with, you know, you said you had some unhealthy places that mm-hmm. you were as you were going through deciding, you know, where you wanted to do graduate school, then what you wanted to do mm-hmm. profession. Just talk about that, you know, kind of what you went through to eventually arrive where you feel like is the right place. Yeah. My whole life, I will say, I think that I was unaware that I was feeling feelings. Good and bad? Just like, uh, you know, Bad. I could feel good feelings. Yeah. I I mean, I have always been a very happy person. I've always, anybody who knows me would probably describe me as like super happy, super fun, always has tons of friends. However, I was unaware that that was kind of essentially a mask, I think, for like a simple term. So I went to college and I think I wanted like a fresh start to start with new people and kind of like be who I really am. But at the same time, like I wasn't doing any work to figure out who that person was. So I just grabbed on to what worked I think in the past. And that was being like the fun friend and smart and all that. So that was all happening behind the scenes. So unaware of it, that that was a thing for me. My junior year in college, I, so of course I played soccer all through my life. And so I was somewhat of an athlete forced to be an athlete by playing Family soccer. did it. This is kind of how it went. When I liked it. So yeah, I liked it. And you know, my family all played sports, but in the sense I did, I played soccer cause it was fun for mm-hmm. me. I didn't play to like stay in shape or work out. So when I went to college, I wasn't working out at all. And then you're like eating crap food and partying and, I don't know that I really was that much of a partier, but I was doing more than I was used to. But, and so my body changed dramatically and my junior year, my brother was engaged. So he was going to get married that summer. My parents had gone on this like health kick and I was like, I want to get my life together and I want to start like taking care of myself. And so I started essentially not a specific diet, but I started like dieting, counting calories, working out tracked everything like my fitness pal like to the like ounce of everything and it worked I lost a dramatic amount of weight in a short period of time and I would frame eating disorders essentially long story short I developed an eating disorder 
I would frame before you started this program or when you said, when oh, you just, before. okay, so you had an eating disorder, yeah, yeah. just not necessarily aware of it. And not, then yeah. your junior year, when you decide you want to yes. make a, make a change and start getting in better shape, looking back on it, you're like, I had an eating disorder that was going on. Oh yeah. So in college, I thought I was killing it. I literally thought I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I look so good. I'm getting all these compliments. Like I did start running in that time. Mm-hmm. So to, can I add in that right now? Sure, okay. Man. So yeah. I started exercising, but that was like, uh, I don't know how to exercise without playing soccer. So I'm like going and doing the elliptical. Well, then I'm like, I can do more than this. So I started running. So I started running three miles a day. And then I was like, I can do more than this. Started running six miles a day. And I like really liked it. It was, mm-hmm. it was essentially fun. And how I really got into running is there was a sale on the rock and roll New Orleans marathon. And it was like $38. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, I'll sign up for this. And so you're, then you're, this, you're still at Southern Miss. Still at Southern time, Miss. So, so this is close. probably maybe 2010, I think, around that time. Anyway, so I was unaware that I was unhealthy. I thought I was actually very healthy and getting my stuff together. And getting healthier, mm-hmm. right. So looking back now, I can see that what I was looking for was belonging, love, attention, all of that stuff that I didn't know that I was missing, never knew I was missing. So I always tell people in my life and who I work with that I think we're born with two basic desires. The one to be loved, which a lot of times we look at love and it feels like attention and belonging, all of that. And then the desire to be ourselves. So the issue is the desire for love and belonging is a lot stronger. And so my life, I didn't know this was happening, but I was searching for this love and belonging. And so I was dropping parts of who I was and picking up whatever got me attention. Mm -hmm. So in high school, whether it was grades or being funny or playing soccer or whatever, and I don't think soccer got me much attention. I wasn't that good. On the team. still. (laughs) So then in college, I, again, it was the same thing. Like, what am I going to do that's going to get me to feel like I belong in a group of people? And so then when I start like losing weight and then I'm running and I, for an amateur runner, the only other time I ran for like a time, I did cross country when I was in middle school. And then one year our soccer team lost early and they needed people in high school to run to qualify. So I ran in the regional. Like for track? For cross country. Oh, gotcha. So cross country in high school, that was my junior year. So I ran in the regionals for that and I placed, but I, I mean, I don't know what the place, it wasn't high. And then we went to state and whatever. And I don't remember if we, I don't think we won. Maybe we did win. I don't know. But I didn't like running. I just did. I didn't do it again. And so it was to me, running was punishment, right? Like if I was late to soccer practice, I had to run. So anyway, going back to my junior year, I was getting all this validation finally. And people were bragging about me or complimenting me. My parents like came to my races that were in town. And so, and of course this is when like the beginning of social media really started to hit like Instagram and all that. Mm-hmm. So I was getting all this stuff that I thought was like good and love, but really I was just like getting attention and I really wasn't being myself. So my end of my senior year of college, Mm -hmm. I'm applying to these schools. I had a realization that this doesn't feel 
what I'm doing now doesn't feel like home to me. Like mm-hmm. this doesn't feel right. Did you feel like at any point that you kind of took the exercise and the dieting too far? Like, like oh, yeah. you're too regimented with it on, on both sides. And that was mm-hmm. something that you, I'm sure as you're going through it and you're losing weight and you're gaining confidence, you're like, this is the right thing. But then, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably rare. I would think in life that just a light bulb goes off when you take it past too far. And you're just like, Oh, what today I feel like I've taken the exercise and you know, the dieting mm-hmm. too far. So I will make changes today. I'm sure that's, that's catch, it, yeah, catch it later on. <laughs> I wish it worked that way, but I, it's a little bit confusing because I didn't have a light bulb moment. I didn't have a light bulb conversation. I didn't. And because our society, the way it is, people are people would look at me and and say, I wish I could be like you. Or I wish I had your willpower. When I was looking at them and I was like, I wish that I could be like you because I am controlled by this thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my senior year, I stopped drinking, which you're 21 at that point. I think it's illegal in college to not drink, isn't it? Yeah, right. It should be. (laughs) Like, it actually should. Where I went to school, it was. Yeah, yeah. I'm finally 21, and like, I'm I'm not drinking anymore because I was afraid, one, the calories, and what would I eat if I went out Maybe it's because it finally became legal. You're like, oh, what? This is legal now? Not interested. Not interested. Yeah. This is available. I don't want it. Anyway, so yeah, I I was being complimented by all that. But my life, I stopped doing things. I, but this is so funny to me because at the time, or sad, I guess, more sad, I had no awareness of this, but I skipped my very last date party ever, my senior year, skipped it, drove six hours home to run the rock and roll half marathon for the first time. Nashville? Here. Yeah. Yes. It's an awesome race. Don't beat it yourself up too race. hard to beat yes. Tamisa date party for what is my actually my favorite race. Right? So don't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> but it was like, I can run that race for the rest of my life. Mm. I oh, can, I see. So, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I can run that race forever. But this was the last time to actually go to this party with all of my college friends. We'll never be in the same place right. again. And you chose because that what you were in that mindset exercise yeah. was well, I told trump, myself, trumped everything else. Yeah, I told myself I I don't party and I don't like this. This isn't these aren't my priorities. When, again, if you're not drinking, why go to a date party? So there's to watch that. everybody else drink. Actually, well, it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very entertaining. I'm not trying to condone alcohol. <laughs> just looking for the humor in it all. But yeah, okay. Yeah. So you you make that decision, and that's mm-hmm. right at the tail end of college. So. Mm-hmm. Not only that's happening, but then you're deciding where you want to go to school, which is a big decision to continue your education and ultimately go down the career path. And you're also realizing at this time, man, I'm in an unhealthy place with the what, how I'm living my life. So that's a lot, mm-hmm. lot intersecting at the same For time. For like a 21-year-old. And mm-hmm. again, I didn't have any of the pieces put together. I still didn't think what I was doing diet and exercise-wise was wrong. Because you wouldn't look at my exercise and say I was over-exercising at that point. I think it was very strict. And if I wasn't able to do it, I had a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. However, my diet was like, I was probably eating a thousand calories a day. and I like would only eat out at certain restaurants. And mm-hmm. I had some consequences physically that I, like my hair started falling out and stuff like that. But Again, people are like, you look so healthy. (laughs) So I didn't, I still didn't know that me, I was doing something harmful. Mm -hmm. I just knew that something felt off. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, you're, you're already into a spot when, you know, we, when I reached out to you and started talking about Mm -hmm. doing this podcast that I think is just interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. Most runners that I've been around working in the running industry are people that find running like it, do more of it and just kind of stay on that path. Mm -hmm. I think the story that you have 
eventually that that's come kind of full circle mm-hmm. and it's back there, but like that you went through some stuff with running, not just running, I guess, but also with, you know, unhealthy eating and so forth that like running wasn't the best for you when mm-hmm. you were doing it early on, even though you're doing like my favorite race, mm-hmm. like you literally missed a party to drive back to run in, which I label my favorite race mm-hmm. that I've ever run in at the end, looking back, it was just, wasn't the healthiest place for you. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this is leapfrogging forward, but talk a little bit about, you know, you being a therapist and like the running slash exercise component of it that can Mm -hmm. be when you're doing it. And it's like some unhealthy things that you can do within it. Yeah. So again, I had fun when I ran that race and yeah, it was great. And I enjoyed running at that point in my life, for the most part. The problem that I had with running and exercise in general is, so if we talk about, I frame eating disorders as an addiction, and so you have like chemical addictions, like drugs, alcohol, and all that. Mm -hmm. There's also process addictions, which would include stuff like exercise, sex, gambling, like eating, all that stuff. So you can look at this, looking at this through a framework of addiction, this makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard for people to be like, how can you be addicted to exercise? It's good for you. And I'm like, just wait. Because what addiction is, is a way to meet a legitimate need in illegitimate ways. So my need for love and belonging, who wouldn't want that? Like, you can't say that that's a bad thing to want. Sure. We all want that. But I was going about it in a way that wasn't working. Now, mm-hmm. the thing is, it worked for a second, it did work because it got me attention. It got me, but then it stopped working and I started actually getting consequences from it. Mm -hmm. I was actually starting to feel pain. So some of those were physical. I got every single runner injury that you can have. I had it. Mm -hmm. So like IT band syndrome, plantar fasciitis. I, my knees had so much swelling at one point where I could not walk like right. walking became painful your your body's telling you that you're oh, doing yeah. things that you need to slow down but because you're in this mindset of i need to do this i'm seeing mm-hmm. positive results from this mm-hmm. i'm getting compliments on this like stopping's not going to happen so i'm right. just going to keep doing it and you know from again working in the running industry working at fleet feet i've taken a couple of coaching classes and mm-hmm. I'm, like basically the first thing this lady talked about who was mm-hmm. teaching other people to become running coaches is she said typically runners will acknowledge a running industry injury like stage three or four mm-hmm. like they're they're down the injury path before they mm-hmm. actually eventually say yep no this is definitely mm-hmm. an injury that i should do something about and sometimes that's a little bit too late mm-hmm. continue with your with your which is that's interesting i didn't know that but yeah i didn't really acknowledge any of the injuries i just eventually i went to the doctor for some of the swelling because i was like i can't walk but i still like when i ran my first full i ran it on a sprained ankle Right. So that's where it becomes. 5K is a lot on a sprained ankle. Yes. Walking to the fridge. 42 kilometers is is a ton. Yeah. And so I think I had a lot of fear. My issue is I had a lot of fear around like, I found this thing that works really well. It worked really well. I don't want that to not work anymore. It Mm -hmm. can't not work anymore because then what do I do? Right. So with all the benefits of running, which there are some, and there's some really great benefits for running with mental health. It can't be the only way you get that. Right. I was leaning on running to be the only way that I was getting something. So as it was, I had a threat. So I don't know, my my leg hurts or I don't know. More normal people would be like, I'm going to take a day off. Mm-hmm. 
I couldn't do that. So that's where it became. And the thing that was help was supposed to help with anxiety ended up creating more anxiety for me. So interesting, man. I mean, like that's when you're sitting in a room talking to Mm -hmm. somebody about running and about exercise and about good mental health and physical Mm -hmm. health, it's, it's easier to get your brain around it. But I would openly admit that for somebody who's been running now for going on about 20 years, I've been very fortunate on Mm -hmm. the injury side of things that I haven't just had an injury that's truly Mm -hmm. sidelined me. And that's been a plus because I I lean on running a Mm -hmm. lot as far as just like. You know, I've talked about it on this podcast before. Like, I've always felt like my body likes it when I run, especially Mm -hmm. afterwards. It's just like that. There's this like a like a validating feeling of like, Mm -hmm. yep, that was a good idea. I'm glad I did that. Mm -hmm. My body's glad I did that. To take it away, like if something took it away, I mean, that would be a slippery slope Mm -hmm. for myself and and for most runners. We had a doctor that would come in and do screenings at Fleet Feet when I worked there. And one thing he talked about that was, you know, it sounds obvious when I say it, but it's, it's, he said it was very common, but he said, most people that I see when they come into my office who have an injury, want the injury assessed and want it to be like, you know, what can I do to where I can, you know, walk to my refrigerator and not feel this pain? Or what can Mm -hmm. I do where I, I can, you know, not just have this pain? He said, when I see runners, he's like, it is a different ball game. He said, runners want to get back to where they were immediately. Mm-hmm. I've been running three to five miles a day for three years and I need to run tomorrow. What mm-hmm. can you do? And he's like, it's just, it, it doesn't quite work that way. And it's, it's harder to treat mm-hmm. runners because they want to just get back to this place immediately of like, I, I ran five miles last week and didn't feel anything. And now I've got this pain. Mm-hmm. Please get me back there and get me back there yesterday. Where he's like, most of the world that are not like, you know, mm-hmm fitness fanatics or, you know, longtime runners are just like, man, can, can you get it to where I can walk to my couch mm-hmm. and not have my knee screaming at me? And he's like, it's just, is different, right? Well, and I think that people that end up becoming runners in quotes, it's a, almost a, a breed of people because once you start getting into running and it becomes consistent, you see the benefits, like you feel the benefits. And so when you have that threat of like, I just want to be able to walk to the couch, you're like, but these, I need to have these benefits. So like, I've never felt probably the same feeling I get when I run from any other type of exercise. Now I like other types of exercise, but I don't, it doesn't feel the same as running is so different in a good way in a great way. Right. Yes. So what, what, what I want to get back to this too, but you, so we don't forget you, you actually talked before we press record through email mm-hmm. like uh, that there are several mm-hmm. benefits that mm-hmm. you see from running on the therapy side the mental health mm-hmm. side of it and of course the physical side too talk a little bit about some things that you've just gathered from yeah. running in the positives you know in in your practice and, and mm-hmm. being a therapist that you feel are pretty good certainties when it comes to running and the benefits yeah so well the first thing i will say because i do work with a lot of my specialty is body image, exercise addiction, eating disorders. And the same idea, I see people that are like exercise anorexic too, right? So they're like not going to do it. So when I talk about with people what would be helpful and why they should run, the first thing I would ask them first is do you enjoy it? Like, do you enjoy running? And if they say yes, okay, here are the benefits. 
I want you to know these. This is why this is good for you to continue. If they say no, I always ask why. Like, why don't you like running? And the most common things that I've gathered from people, and I would love to know if you agree with this or if you've heard this, is one, it's hard. Two, runners are intimidating. And three, I'm not good at it. Right. Would you, do you hear that from anybody For who sure. you're like, you should run first one and number three, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you made a great point. I don't think there's many people out there. There's some, and they, they they probably have Olympic medals, but I don't think there's many people out there that the very first time they went out and ran, especially if it was later mm-hmm. on in life that their body's just like, yep, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that again tomorrow. I mean, right. most people, when they start later on in life, it's, you know, I want to run from my mailbox to that stop sign mm-hmm. and that's where I'm going to start. And this was, didn't go great today, but I'm going to go back and try mm-hmm. to do it again. And they build on that and they, you know, get there. Third, you know, I think you know, the, the only thing, the runners being intimidating from just somebody who's worked in the running industry for a decade, mm-hmm. most all of my friends are runners, a lot of great running communities in Nashville. Like I think the community of runners yeah. that I've seen is like one of my literally my favorite thing about it is right. being around it. So, you know, but then again, but you're I'm, in I'm it. 100%. So yeah. I, I literally not, I mean, so much of my life is running from where I work to who I spend time with, to what I do. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in that bubble and I know it's a great thing mm-hmm. full of great people. If I'd never done it before, like I can see like, you know, if I go out to Percy Warner park and I see four people standing there all in their running gear yeah. and bright shoes and, mm-hmm. and ready to go. Like it's not the easiest to just walk up and immediately feel mm-hmm. like you fit in. So yeah, yeah, I mean, those are all legit. So one, I have to say this. You have you seen Britney runs a marathon? Yes. So, I saw it with, uh, with some, uh, <laughs> so this is hilarious. I don't know. I don't remember how it came to be. I think Christy Beth asked me to go from the owner of fleet feet, but there was some kind of like premiere so a couple days beforehand. It was me and Hunter hall and like 60 women. Right. <laughs> then, of like, course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, it was a good movie though. Oh. Like really is really so good. That yeah. is so closely tied to what running felt like to me, especially in the fact that she got hurt and then she couldn't run, she couldn't run and the difference is I still ran. Watching but that movie was probably emotional I was for you. Yeah. Crying and I yeah. don't cry very often. And I'm like, why am I crying at this movie? But anyway, so I just had to say that. But so my response to people who give me those, I would just say all three of those things really are excuses. Mm-hmm. One, running is hard. I can understand that, but I also believe two things. One, there's a difference between something being hard and challenging. Mm -hmm. I think of hard, hard is a harsh word and I don't like to use it. I try not to use it because I think of things being hard as like, like unmendable. So like the concrete is hard and Mm -hmm. like the floor, the ground, things like that. Those things are hard. You can't break Lifting a car up by your by yourself. That's hard. Right. Right. So like there's a difference in challenging, which challenging is just a different way of thinking of it. And if something if nothing in your life is challenging, then that's fine, but you're going to stay this way for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So if that's your excuse for not running, then cool. I wonder how the rest of your life looks. Right. I would want to dig in underneath that with that person. If they say runners are intimidating, I'm ju- I am with you. I think runners are like the coolest people ever. Like what other sport can you be in a race and you start talking to the person next to you and by the end of the race, you guys are best friends and they're helping you right. beat them. Yeah. You know what that I mean? That doesn't happen in the uh, NFL playoffs that's no, been going on. No. Here yeah. Yeah. Friendships I, are not made in the heat of battle in, in most sports, no, but running. Oh my yeah. God. My, one of the, my favorite races that I ran was a half marathon and I 
became connected with this older man. He must have been 60s, 70s. And he is what got me to the end of this race. And I wish to God I knew his like name or anything. I saw him at a couple more races. But yeah, what other sport are you connecting with people who are not? I mean, we were very different people. I was like 23. He was like probably 70. Mm-hmm. So I think that's more of like you're scared of doing something different because right. runners aren't intimidating. Camaraderie the ones, is yeah. much more a part of it than intimidating. Yeah. And then the last one about like, I'm not good at it. This really gets me because I don't know why adults are like this, but we have this idea that in adulthood, if we start something, we have to be good at it. But if you look at kids or even teens or adolescents, it's when I started playing soccer, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I was probably like 20% good. Like I could probably kick the ball with my toe, Mm -hmm. you know, but nobody looked at me and I didn't look at myself and I wasn't like, why am I not good at this? Because it was the first time I was doing it. Mm -hmm. But as a kid, that was acceptable. But as adult, it's like the first time you do something, you have to be good. And I just don't think that's true. I think that keeps us from growing a lot. So something I ask people a lot is like, what would you be doing if it was okay to be 60% good? Right. And the other thing is running is kind of like yoga, like, good or bad. Like, I don't know how to define that. Mm-hmm. If you're speed, I guess, I guess you could use that, but I don't even use a watch if normally. That's one of our questions in speed sessions at the end. And you've already answered it. You're not a watch wear. I'll try well, to remember that you've already answered that. So question, there's but. that I was a watch wear in my early running days. And then I did wear a watch training for my last race just because I needed to know my distance. Mm-hmm. But I, will not look at my pace anymore. I don't care. You're out there for the experience of it and because you enjoy it and because Mm -hmm. you think your, your body's enjoying it too, or you know, your body's enjoying Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. So before we, I don't want to leave topic two, you also have your own podcast called you need therapy. Yes. I love the title. I want to be on the podcast. You need therapy simply so I can tell (laughs) anyone that I know. Yep. Was on a podcast. Oh really? What's it called? Uh, It's called you need therapy. Most (laughs) anyone be like, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Drew, I know enough about you to know that that's uh, pretty accurate. So tell me a little, little bit more just about your industry and working in it and what you've just, I guess, what you've grown into as a therapist, because it sounds like, you know, you've been a therapist for a decade now and have gone through some different kinds of therapy that you were doing to land into now where you have your own practice, correct? Mm -hmm. And you are working in the field Mm -hmm. that you want, working with the type of situations that you want to Mm -hmm. be in. So you've ended up in the right place, but it didn't, it didn't just happen overnight. Just talk a little bit about being a therapist and just what that has meant to you and kind of what you feel is things people need to know about it, you know? Yeah. So do you want me to answer this or there's still part to the benefits? Both. And I want to know all about it too, because I really just think that we are on a topic that is not talked a ton about Mm -hmm. with running and is something that anybody can benefit from, from your Boston Marathon qualifier to someone who's thinking about running their first 5K Mm -hmm. this year, knowing about running and kind of more like in the scope of just like exercise and and life too. I just think there's a lot of great material here. So I'm going to answer your question for you again. I want you to talk about (laughs) as much as you want to talk about for as long as you want to talk about. If you're okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Um, uh, we'll just we'll cut part of this interview and then you can use it for your great, uni therapy great. That next would podcast. Be wonderful. There you go. So going back to the benefits. So after I would ask people those questions, like, do you like it? Do you not like it? And then why do you not like it? So after we kind of bust through some of their excuses, that's when I would say this is also why it would be helpful for you. However, running, if they really just don't like it, I don't, it's not helpful. So if you really just don't like running, don't force yourself to run. Please don't force yourself to run. There are other ways to get these benefits that I'm about to tell you. So the first one is running is just as helpful in the treatment of depression as medication. And the good thing about it is with running, you don't have the side effects of your medication because you're running, you're not taking medication. There's a study, and I don't know exactly when it was done, but there's a study by Harvard, that Harvard did, and it showed that just 15 minutes of running or one hour of walking would decrease the likelihood of developing depression by 26%. And then those who have already experienced depression, it helps in the prevention of relapse in that. The problem with this one is, you have to do like the fake it till you make it Mm -hmm. because somebody who's depressed doesn't want to go run. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's like behavior. We call it behavior activation. That's a huge first hurdle to get over. Right. Yeah. And that would just be like, you keep running until you start to like to run. And eventually you probably will. Mm -hmm. The next benefit that I would say is great. And actually, because I see more of this than ever now is it helps with, the management of stress, which is kind of like a fancy word for anxiety a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So with that, what happens is running, and I don't know the science of it because I'm not a doctor, but I just know this happens, is it helps um, with the increase of production of norepinephrine, which is a chemical in your brain that helps manage stress and anxiety. Running helps you produce more of that. Yes. And most movement will help you do that, but it's intentional movement. Mm -hmm. So with that, you're going to want to be like mindful when you're running. So I do encourage people who are choosing to run for mental health, run a little bit without music or a podcast or anything. And even if it's five minutes, if you only can only bear five minutes, Mm -hmm. do five minutes because what you're going to do you're going to become more mindful of what's happening in your body and less about what's happening in your head, mm-hmm. which leads That's me really to good. one of my favorite parts of the benefits of running is it produces this thing called, or it is this thing called bilateral stimulation. Do you know what that? Okay. I don't. I, wa- I want to know what it <laughs> okay. means though, so I can use it okay. again in future talking because it sound sounds smart. awesome. Yes. <laughs> bilateral stimulation. stimulation. So, don't know what it is. No, I want it though. I want it. <laughs> Do you know what EMDR is? Do not. Okay. So EMDR is like the top evidence-based chosen, proven treatment for trauma. Most people who have PTSD, their therapist will encourage them to do a lot of times EMDR. One of the most important components of EMDR is bilateral stimulation. And it's a fancy word for left-right motions, Mm -hmm. like rhythmic motions. So that can be sounds in your ears. You can wear headphones while you're doing this treatment. You can hold buzzers in your hand. You can tap on your legs. But running is bilateral stimulation on your own. Yeah. So you're not going to get trauma therapy from running, but you're going to get the benefits of bilateral stimulation and why it 
makes EMDR work the way it does. Gotcha. So when you're running, you're getting the benefits of the bilateral stimulation, which are a decrease in like your physiological arousal. Mm -hmm. So essentially you're going to be calmer. You're going to have flexibility and attentional flexibility, which is just like feeling less stuck on one thing. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have a decrease in like the closeness you feel to, to something. So whatever it is that is bothering you that day is going to feel like farther away. Mm, and then the last really one is you're just going to, because of those, you're just going to have decreased worry. So you're getting all of that by running. And Bilateral the- stimulation helps you get those things yep. too. Yes. 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 Yep. I knew <laughs> I'd get there. Oh, bilateral stimulation. Yeah. Yes, so now I'm you can tell that. people yeah. all about this and they're like, wow, you're really smart. But it's really What's simple. What's your favorite part about running, Drew? Oh my God, that's so funny that you should ask. Bilateral <laughs> stimulation, obviously. Right. Know it, love it. <laughs> so that is one thing. That's the third thing. And then it helps memory. So it helps your hippocampus, which is part of your brain that has like learning and memory that helps decrease the degeneration of that. Mm -hmm. So it's going to keep your memory better longer. And they say between 25 and 45 is like the time to be really focusing on that. And in that it's not going to like not it's, it doesn't cure Alzheimer's or anything like that, but what it's going to do, it's going to help preserve as much as you can. Mm -hmm. So I always say if it it can't hurt, Mm -hmm. it can only help. Yeah. And then the last one, which is also one of my favorite things, is it just helps to create like a sense of self. So I know for me, one of the best pieces of advice a therapist ever gave me was, Catherine, you need a hobby. Like you need a hobby. Like you don't know what you like. You don't know what you don't like. You don't know. you. I didn't know myself. That's one of my favorite parts. And the having a sense of self is different than having self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So I was getting a lot of self-esteem from running, right? So self-esteem is outward based. So people saw me run. They saw me place in a race. They saw my time. They saw I was consistent in working out. That's self-esteem. So Mm -hmm. the problem with self-esteem is you have to hustle for it and continue to get it. The sense of self is just knowing that like I am good and valuable and this is part of who I am. Right. Yeah. two, Two different things. You just touched on a part that I think is one of the neater things about running. And I'm going to get to this question about the St. Jude Marathon you just ran. Mm -hmm. But running in a marathon, in my opinion, is very hard. I've I've run four of them. One of them went well. The other three didn't Mm -hmm. as far as the end is concerned. And the one thing about it to me that is special about a marathon is like actually running in the race and running 26.2 miles. Like it's the only time in my life that I've felt like that, you know, I guess broken towards the end of the race, both Mm kind of mentally and physically. And then looking back on it, like kind of in a weird way, enjoyed learning about myself Mm -hmm. and how I responded in that Mm -hmm. situation. And the only way to do it again is to put yourself back in that arena. Mm -hmm. Now, a marathon is on the extreme Mm -hmm. side of putting yourself in a place to learn more about yourself. But it's it's weird how like kind of the worse it went, the more I remember it. A, and the more I feel like a sense of kind of triumph B that I did somehow, some way get through it. Mm-hmm. I ran my first ultra marathon literally a year ago in, in January, 2019. <sighs> and 
I had like just the weirdest thoughts at the end of this race. Like it was like super rocky and technical, which I don't prefer running in ever. Like I like running on trails, but I would prefer it be packed dirt with not even a pebble or a twig. (laughs) I just want it packed dirt everywhere. This course, it like it it looked like somebody sprayed the course with rocks the night before. And like, I was just going to these weird places in my mind. Like I'm not running on this course anymore. I'm going to go out. I know there's a dirt road that we came into this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to run back and forth until I get to 50 K on this road. And I'm just like, like, no one does that. No one leaves the course and runs like their own altered. 50K. Right. But like, that's where my mind went when I got to this place mm-hmm. of like, this is really hard and I don't like this. And this isn't what I signed mm-hmm. up for. But you like, you get in these mind games with yourself. And then somehow, some way I got to where I was like more on the backside. I was like mile 28, 29. I'm like, well, all right, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm mm-hmm. obviously going to keep going with this, but I learned you learn yeah. about yourself, like how quick you like if something doesn't go right. I was like, well, is that who you are? Right. Drew, that the first sign of discomfort, you're like, well, I'm doing I'm something. Doing this my own I'm going to go do this somewhere totally. different that's not as hard. Yeah. But, you know, again, I got through it and I finished it and I had like more of a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. and feeling like I, you know, pushed myself because mm-hmm. I put myself in this situation. And that's yeah. just something you don't experience in life typically unless you You're in it. Right. Well and I think that what you're saying is so important because yeah, you're not just running an ultra marathon or running a marathon or running a 5k or whatever it is. You're doing something that you know is going to be challenging. And again, you don't know what it's going to feel like until you're in it. And then what do you do when you're in it? That's the important. What do I actually do? Because we we can say we're strong and we are, we persevere and blah, blah. But like, have you ever been in an experience where you've had to do that? How do you know that about yourself? And so by running, you're, t- you're learning about me. what do I do? what do I do when I'm running and all of a sudden it starts raining in the middle of my run? Mm-hmm. Like, do I like hurry up and run home? Do I call a friend? Do I like, what do I do? Or what do I do when I like anything can happen in a race essentially. And so I think one thing that you learn, like that you've learned is how do I keep myself alive? Essentially, it was probably really helpful to you in your head to start thinking about, okay, how else can I do this? That helped you survive to get to the point mm-hmm. where you were like, okay, this is almost over. Because all of us can, well, I, I can speak for myself and a lot of runners, we do a lot of math in our head when we're running. Mm-hmm. Like, I know for me, I'm like, okay, if I get to this mile, that means that I have this many miles left. And that means I only have to run two miles, three more times. And then that really means I only have to run a half mile and then this many more miles. Mm -hmm. It's like we play games in our head because we know we're capable. That's the thing. You knew you were capable of, so you would have quit, right? But it's like, what do I need to do to get to myself to a place where I can show that Mm -hmm. or I can actually do that? So I love the mind games that we play when we're running it's weird the thoughts we have are so weird yes so just to put a little bit of a cap on the therapist part i mean it's a very interesting Mm -hmm. job that you have we talked a little bit about this at the start i think anyone who has ever taken a breath can benefit from Mm -hmm. therapy your podcast titled you need therapy Mm -hmm. is spot on (laughs) just tell me a couple things about therapy that you maybe didn't know when you started actually doing it Mm -hmm. even out of school and some things that you just kind of feel like are ultimately important for people to know about therapy and, you know, just some like, you know, true, like looking back on it for the past decade, things that you've done that are like, you know, some Mm kind of aha moments or things you feel 
pretty secure about. Yeah. So the main thing that I wish I could like put billboards everywhere is that like, I want everybody to know that there doesn't have to be wrong, something wrong with you to go to therapy and the people that go to therapy are not messed up. Mm-hmm. Like I truly think the people that I work with are some of the probably best people in the world because they have access to their feelings and they also want to do something about whatever they're stuck in. So that's one thing is I think that, and we've shifted a lot. I think that the society has shifted a lot in how we view therapy now. So that's one thing that I, if, even if you feel like you don't know if you would benefit, just try it. Like what could go wrong? The other part in that is a lot of times for people that are going, a lot of times people will come in wanting to do one thing. Like I need to do this or this is what I want to work on or I'm angry all the time and I need to work on my anger. And sometimes it turns into something else. So right. just what you go into a therapy office wanting might not be what you need. So just be open with it. And a lot of times things will get better. I mean, things will get worse before they get better. So I would just encourage people just stay in it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, if we use the anger meta- metaphor, people will come in, I want to feel less angry. Well, that might not be what I think would be best for you because maybe your anger is telling you something. So maybe you need to learn how to feel your anger and direct it in the right spot. So that's the other thing is stay in it. Mm -hmm. And so it's helped me care for people better that I don't know. Like people that are mean to me or even, yeah, anybody can be a stranger. It can be somebody that I, I know or, I just always try to have that idea of like, maybe there's something I'm missing because mm-hmm. what we do a lot is we compare everybody's outsides to our insides. Mm-hmm. And so we're just looking at people's outward and we're like, oh, they're, they're wonderful. Especially talking about eating disorders. Right. They look great. They fit in this size pants. They are running these races. They're doing this stuff. They have this job, but who knows they could be tortured inside. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to give people grace and love even then when we don't really want to do that right empathy yeah is something i'm sure you mm-hmm. practice or mm-hmm. something that you you know is a key component of your profession mm-hmm. and just the you know don't judge a book by its cover is mm-hmm. is a pretty vanilla way mm-hmm. of stating that but yeah i i just i like the answer that you had again when we were talking a little bit before this that you just do not know what someone is going through and, you know, don't judge a person by just one little reaction and so forth. My friend Roy Tamez, who we interviewed earlier and I was talking to him just cause he's, he's just got this way about him that is just so, just such a wonderful, pleasant person. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes out within five minutes of meeting this guy. Mm-hmm. So I tried to get in his head a little bit and just like figure out a little bit more about him and what he feels that comes from. And, he had an answer of, you know, when he is meeting people that he is, he immediately is looking for the positive attributes inside mm-hmm. of them. And which is awesome. I mean, like he's like, the, everyone has something to offer. So I look mm-hmm. for that. And then he did at the end, he's like, but you know, there are people out there that don't, you know, that are not happy individuals or may not just bring much positive to the table. And, you know, there may come a time that deciding not to be around that person or whatever mm-hmm. is just in a decision as an adult you can make. What's, what's your thoughts on that about just, you know, there's, I just, you know, again, I'm glass half full always right. have been certainly feel fortunate that that was the hand I felt I've been dealt, but there are, I mean, there's just some, there's some negative Nellies out there. Totally. So you're talking about boundaries, which we could talk about for seven years, but 
<laughs> so I will, I do want to say I'm an optimist. Like I'm also glass half full. And what I know about why I am that way is because it's helped me survive things. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that we as humans do anything for no reason. So the reason that I look at the world the way I look at the world is because I, it has helped me survive moving through a lot of pain that I didn't know how mm-hmm. to deal with. The same thing I would say for people who are pessimists is their negative view on things is also helping them survive in a certain way. So I don't look at me being optimistic better than somebody being pessimistic. Mm-hmm. So that's that part of it. And just having that awareness has been helpful of like, huh, well, they're probably this like moody for a reason or they probably the other side of that is like, yeah, we have to have boundaries. So you can't just be like, well, I am, I want to give everybody the benefit of doubt to the detriment of me being surrounded by all these people that are making me feel like shit. Right. So I think there is a point in your life where like you like loving people well is not being around them Mm -hmm. and you don't have to, I love this, but like forgiveness when you're forgiving somebody, it doesn't look like mending the relationship all the time. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it's, cutting the relationship off and forgiving them, you know, mm-hmm. in, in your heart and in your head, but also yeah. moving on from that situation. Totally. So that, well, two things. I actually have never been to a therapist. I mean, I, I don't, have ah! a, I don't have a problem <laughs> admitting that, but here's what I will say. Is there any part in therapy where one of the first questions is tell me a little bit about yourself or drew tell me, tell me oh, right yeah. here. So that's why I would not go to therapy. I would well, love it, but you wouldn't love it because I got a lot of material. It's like, it's my favorite question ever. That's why anytime I've ever had a job interview, I think people have literally hired me. So I would quit answering talking. that question. <laughs> like, I love it. Like, I'd like, like I, I, I would, I would love therapy yeah. to just get to run my mouth to an extent. So if I ever am reaching out to you and it's not possible, podcast related i mean just be aware <laughs> of what you're getting yourself into oh, if man. you go down this road of drew you know let's talk a little bit about you for a minute well i actually love that because oh I you think, do okay yeah. well never mind because well, you also we i have a lot of clients who don't speak at all and it's like you have to pull information out of them and then i have some like that won't show, shut up but i believe that Every single person in the world wants to talk. Every person wants to tell their story. A lot of people haven't been asked or haven't been asked in a safe way or the right way. And so when I hear you saying like, I love to talk, I could talk forever. I'm like, yeah, we all would if we were in a place where we felt like it was okay. Mm -hmm. So So I like that. Man, well, you just in a roundabout way gave me a compliment. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So this is a question that I thought about and it's, it's, it's kind of one last dive into the, the therapist stuff that I just really am curious on your opinion. So do you feel like we, as people, when I say Mm -hmm. we, I mean people in general are born with traits that shape the way we see things. Like we're kind of born with it, like the way we see the world, the way we see our life, Mm -hmm. or do you feel like a majority of those traits are learned Mm -hmm. or adapted as we go through life? Are you asking me nature versus nurture? I guess. Is that really what I just (laughs) did? Crap. I thought it was like such an original question. (laughs) Damn it. I like worded it even better. Your brain's better. (laughs) So yeah, what I mean by this, and I I was really glad again to use my friend Roy Tamez as an example. He kind of alluded to it and I'm 45 years old. Absolutely an outgoing person lived in a lot of different places growing up. So I felt like the outgoingness kind of came out sooner from being like a new kid at school a lot, but I've always known this about myself and I really is as honest as I can be. I don't drink coffee. I love to take showers. Showers are kind of in the morning, what I imagine coffee is to other Mm -hmm. people, but 
a majority of my life, Catherine, I have been a happy person mm-hmm. and have been like, I feel it inside mm-hmm. of me, like just like a genuine kind of joy for life, I mm-hmm. guess is the easiest way to put it. And what I'm curious about is, is that something that I was born with because mm-hmm. I've always felt it even as a young kid that I had this about me. Now, again, I will state that I've had a very blessed life, mm-hmm. two wonderful parents, great, great brother and friends and, and good health. I feel mm-hmm. like just a lot of things have been good in my mm-hmm. life that I'm sure have to be some component of that. But I just most days that I am here on this earth, I have a Mm-hmm. optimistic, happy, glad mm-hmm. to be here view of things. And I guess what I'm getting at in a very long roundabout way is, is it completely random that mm-hmm. this gift was giving to me through birth? Or is it yeah. something of just like that kind of the way I was brought up again by two great parents in the life I had contributed to it? Yes. Great question. First, I will say my first podcast episode talks about this and it's titled, why am I this way? Mm. So you're essentially like, why am I so happy? What is this? So I can't give you a definite answer. This is what I can tell you. So I think that most things in life can be like this can be looked at in a bio psycho social view. So that means we're looking at the psychology, your biology and socially what has been around you. So Mm. it isn't nature versus nurture. It's the combination. You probably are predisposed to be a certain way. And with that, there's this thing called attachment theory, which if you just really want to like deep dive into some therapy stuff, go find a therapist and bring that word up. It basically is a theory. I noticed right there that you did not recommend that I come see you. You literally just said, go find a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) There's therapists out there, Drew. Go find one. I am unfortunately. I'm not going to help you find one, but you're on your own. I'm unfortunately booked through 2030. So anyway. The rest of my life. Okay. So attachment theory is created by a guy named John Bowlby, and he was working in orphanages. And what he found is that there's these babies in these orphanages and they're being given food and water and shelter and everything you would think that they would need, except they weren't thriving and some of them were dying. Mm -hmm. So he started doing some work and created this theory called attachment theory that basically says that the attachment and the relationship that you have with your primary caregivers in your life, usually for us as mom and dad, but can be anybody, is what helps shape the development of, of really how you survive and who you are and how you interact in relationships mm-hmm. with yourself, others, everything around you. So I do think that there is a part of us that is just predisposed to be a certain way. And the other part is humans are smart and they're resilient. So we will find a way to survive and we'll find a way to get our needs met. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is through the development of our personality mm-hmm. and through the development of how we interact in relationships. So for you, you even just saying like, I moved to all these schools. I was always the new kid. Well, that survival for you is to be happy because you have to make friends every year. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody wants to be friends with the guy that's like crying in the bathroom stall because right. they are at a new school. They want to be friends with the guy who's like, Hey man, you want to go hang out after school? Like, let's go do this. I have this new video game. That's who they want to be friends with. Resilience. Right. Yeah. That's so my, my mom many times I, I, before I 
graduated college at 24. I think I lived in eight different states between God. that and 24. Just so, you know, my, yeah. my, my dad would get a job promotion or, or a new job and it would require a move. Mm-hmm. And my mom on more than one occasion said that she always like felt guilty about moving my brother and I on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. And I, I did say to her, I was like, mom, I said, I really feel like the moves we made have shaped me into the person I am, into the mm-hmm. personality I have. And I, and I said, I like it, mom. I said, I like that I went to elementary school in Florida and Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I like that I went to junior high in Nebraska. I like that I went to high school in Ohio. I like, those are good experiences. Mm-hmm. Like I liked the places and I like kind of what I learned about living in different cities and different mm-hmm. states. So what something that was to her, she's like felt bad about and guilty about. I was like, man, I was like, mama, truth be told, if we could do it all over again, that's how mm-hmm. I would prefer it went, yeah. you know, now being removed from it. But that's a, you know, that's, I back your point in that mm-hmm. sense that it was, you know, certainly part of my upbringing that I was yeah thankful for. And in the same way, somebody could have your same experience and not show up the same way. And so that would have to do with the relationships they have with their family Mm -hmm. and their predisposition to reacting to things. So it can't just, that's why I can't just say it's this or that it's Mm -hmm. a combination. Right. So we, we touched on a little bit, tell me uh, about running as far as just what's your favorite race that you've run in and, or kind of like you feel like your number one achievement now that running has kind of come back Mm -hmm. into your life and in like the right place, uh, I guess for you, what's, what's just a running highlight that sticks out to you race wise. This one's very easy this summer or around August. So my roommate who was not a runner, not a runner decided I'm going to do this like couch to 5k thing. She wanted to like create some like hobbies and stability and stuff. So she did that and we ran the, um, what's the Franklin classic that labor day. So she did that 5k and I ran it with her and I have to tell this story because it's just really nice. This is why I'm like, runners are not intimidating. We were at the, we were in the back and there was a woman pushing a jogger stroller and she had two kids in it. One was probably two. One was probably six. And we're just like trucking along and I'm trying to like help my roommate and tell her like, think of your elbows. Your elbows always feel good. Like this is fine. Like whatever, like anything I can say. And this lady is running right next to us and she like kind of slows down and stops and turns around. My roommate, she has headphones on, so she's not hearing this, but she looks at her six year old and, and is like, Hey, I want to let you know that everybody here is doing the best they can. And then I was like, Oh my God. And then she goes, and just so you know, everybody's best looks different and that's okay. And I was like, one, you need to be everybody's mother. Mm -hmm. And two, I'm like that. Yes. Like we are in the back of this race, but this girl is doing the very best she can right now. She's doing something she's never done before. Like she's act like, being kind to herself by giving herself a chance to learn something about herself. So when we finished that race, I looked at her and I was like, how, how was it? And she was like, good. She did throw up at the end. <laughs> but it well, was, did you it ask was her good. how was it before or after, after. she, threw she was up. like, it was great besides the fact I threw up. But <laughs> anyway, she was like, it was great. And I was like, you know, that like, you could probably do more than this if you wanted. And she was like, no, I can't. I was like, are you kidding me? Like you just ran three miles and you didn't stop. Like, if you wanted to, you don't have to, but if you want more, you could do more. And so I was like, you should think about doing the a half marathon. 
Well, my other friend and her sister had signed up for the St. Jude half in December, this past December. So I was like, if you do the half, I'll do the full. Because it was going to be my my 30th birthday was December 4th and the race was December 7th. And I was like, I can't think of a better way to go into like my 30th year of life running a marathon in a very different way. Because the first one I ran on, I don't know if I've said this already on the podcast, I ran on a sprained ankle. Oh, yeah. In the rain. Right. Tortured. Yeah. And I ran it fast and I freaking killed it. But it was, I did it for the wrong reasons and it didn't feel good at the end. Mm. I was, it didn't really feel good. So anyway, I ran it this year and um, St. Jude Full in Memphis, Saint December 2019. Yes. And right. it was, first of all, perfect weather. And have you run that race? Mm-mm, no. Oh my God. First of all, the course is great, mm-hmm. pretty flat, but with some like uh, doable hills. But like the course, I never felt alone, mm-hmm. even through all of it, all of it. I never felt alone. But so you know how people like have signs, obviously. Well, I have the best friends in the world, like the best friends. And a bunch of them drove to Memphis to watch me and my friends run this, which is like crazy because I'm like, you know, you're going to see me one time. <laughs> Four it helps you a lot though yeah and yeah it was really actually great and so they had all these crazy signs and one of them was you know you don't have to do this which when i saw it i was like laughing and then towards the end of the race i was like just it popped back into my head of, again we think about crazy things when we're running it popped back into my head and i was kind of reflecting on like how different the ending of that this race felt from the last one and the last one I ran, I did feel like I had to do it. Like it's something that I had to do to prove something to other people, to prove something to myself. And this race, the only expectation I had was to like be compassionate. Mm-hmm. The only expectation I had was I'm going to run this and be kind to myself through it. Mm-hmm. If I don't get the time that I like, I didn't have a time that I wanted, but there was, I could only be kind to myself and I was doing it to be kind to myself. And which was the coolest to have something come full circle like that. Yeah. It was the coolest experience ever. And I think a lot of people don't want to admit that exercise or whatever it is, if they have a process addiction is an issue. Cause they think like, well, if I'm addicted to this, I can never do it again. Mm-hmm. The blessing and the curse of eating disorders and exercise addiction is you can't not ever do it again. Right. You have to learn how to do it again. I don't In want any way. Yeah. Right. And to me, I was like, this is just proof for myself, but even to the people I work with, like there is another side to this Mm -hmm. and this is what the other side is. And the other side's great. Right. So best race. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And that's, I don't, I don't know a lot of people, Catherine, that I've talked to who have said, I want to run a race to be kind to myself Mm -hmm. and be, yeah, that's a, what a great mindset to have for that. And you said like at the end, you said you gave your, you gave your legs a little, a little talking to in a good way. Uh Right. What would you say? So this was weird too, but of course the end of a marathon for, I mean, I'm, I'm amateur, so I'm not running it in two and a half hours. The end of it was mile 25. I also accidentally drank a mimosa in the middle of this race. Total accident. I thought it was orange juice and I was like, I need sugar. And I like dumped it in my mouth and I was like, that was not, that was a very strong mimosa. Wow. Which anyway, but anyway, so the end of this race, mile 25, like I'm almost done. And my, I just like started like slowing down and almost like, I think I was walking. And I remember just like feeling my body because a lot of, 
I put my body through a lot of shit. Like I was not kind to it. It should have given, it should have given up on me a long time ago Mm -hmm. and it didn't through all of it. And that's one thing that I am so thankful for and why I do have compassion for my body is more than just like an aesthetic thing is it has pushed me and pulled me and carried me through a lot of pain. So as my legs were stopping, I just remember having this because it's such a mind game at Mm -hmm. the end. I remember being like, oh my God, because it was my mind that slowed myself down. And I was like, you have done harder shit than this. Let's go. And little by little, I started- You've been through more than this. You've been through harder things than this. Yes, like running that marathon, like it's it's challenging for me. It was very challenging. But I think moving through, learning how to, one, know who I am, find love in healthy, real ways, and learn to like myself in those ways, that was much harder than- running a marathon. Right. That's a great um, perspective. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing your running mm-hmm. story in the kind of casing of therapy mm-hmm. and mental health and so forth. Again, that's just not, you know, a topic that I've talked a lot about. And mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a lot of different aspects to, to running and, you know, the mental part is a huge part of it, but so mm-hmm. is the emotional part too. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think all runners would agree that there has been something that they've done in their running career that has been emotional, that good or bad mm-hmm. emotion. And when they look back on it, it's like mm-hmm. a good memory. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the first, I, I definitely cried after I finished my first right? marathon and it was so weird too, because it didn't, it just like came on me. Like when You're I, like when I tried to make happening? a phone call to tell my dad that I had finished and I was okay. Everything about it was totally fine until I tried to say something into right. this phone. And I was like, wow, yeah. like what What was that? But I, I, of course, when I think about my first marathon, that's literally my top memory mm-hmm. is that 60 second phone call to tell my dad, hey, finished it. I'm still okay. But it took me a while to get the first right? couple words like, out. What's going on? Uh, interesting. Let's talk about Nashville. Yes. Catherine, how does that sound? Yes. Okay. So one, I love this city. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So tell me about Nashville, just in the sense that what you have seen change from living here majority of your life between what is now, I I heard on the radio yesterday, we are, we are the, in the top three most popular cities in the United States as far as like people moving here and wanting to be here. I don't know what that means. I just heard it on the radio, but (laughs) top three. Do you know what the other two cities were? They didn't say. Oh, so yeah, because I moved here when I was in second grade. So I think it was like 1997. And back in those times, I remember in high school, we never went to Nashville because there's nothing here. And the Preds were a thing, but nobody cared about them. Right. Well, I have like this, this is a cringeworthy story. So I was like out one night at a bar in Midtown, like right this would have been 2012 and I ran into this guy and he had this accent and we started talking and he, I was like, what are you in Nashville for? He was like, Oh, I'm here on holiday playing hockey. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. Like we don't really have good hockey here or whatever. And, and then, <laughs> I'm, then later he go, I go, well, you don't play for the Preds, right? Cause they suck. And he was like, yeah, I do play for the Preds. And I didn't believe him until he showed me his picture. And it was Roman freaking Yossi. <laughs> Holy cow. 
You don't play for the Preds, do you? Because we stank. Yeah, He's like, it, yep, it, actually I do. And I'm one of the best players in right? the league. So it, wow. it, that was ended up being a really funny story. <laughs> but we still hung out that night. I don't think he took it too offensively. It was during the black, whenever they had like a blackout or something oh, years right, ago. Right, right, so right. they were like, not playing but yeah I'm so like, that's what oh. he meant by holiday yeah yes so like, yes yeah. but i was like oh my god my the next time my little brother was like are you kidding me that's rowan yossi and i was like yeah i know who he is i still i i know now yeah, yeah. we're very clear now yeah but yeah awesome. so with i mean that sports have prides have dramatically changed but even like my favorite parts about nashville is like the food scene like awesome it's so different mm-hmm. like there's a new restaurant every five seconds right so everything has changed from the traffic to the buildings to, I mean, fitness, everything has changed yeah. for the, I think for the better. I oh, think me too. Yeah, some people would complain. I would take the, I don't think our traffic's that bad. I would take the traffic for all of the things that we have been given. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, along with the food, something that has been consistent as everything else has grown is people here are nice. Oh yeah. So it's like Absolutely. you get this like big city ish to an extent feel but the kindness of like a small town that's awesome that is that is that might be the best answer we've had so far on 615 (laughs) about nashville if you were mayor of this city catherine Mm -hmm. and you get to put your fingerprint on the city and make any changes good or bad Mm -hmm. uh, that you'd like to alter about nashville what would you change well this one was easy for me i would ban the freaking scooters oh yeah so there's stuff going on they've made votes about it i feel like i haven't seen as they're many, still around but yeah well i saw some this morning actually but yeah there was a while there that it was out of hand oh my god when it's i i liken that to somebody who's running at night in black in a black outfit mm-hmm. like these people are i'm worried that i'm gonna hit them well for sure i mean like this would be impossible to do but especially a town like Nashville, you should not be able to operate those things after dark because more than likely alcohol is involved. Number two, the things are fast. I mean, they're not like little slow devices. That is a recipe for disaster. They're dumb. I'm I'm banning them. um, Mayor Defada says no No more scooters. Well, I I would get behind that platform. So one uh, about music again. Uh, You are a music fan, just not old school music. What is a favorite band of yours? What's the best concert you've ever seen in Nashville? Well, my favorite band is Need to Breathe. Mm -hmm. By far my favorite. And my favorite concert that I think I've seen in Nashville was when they played. I've seen at the Ryman a couple times, but they had an acoustic tour last year or maybe the year before and it was incredible i mean they sang like an acapella version of one of my favorite songs and i mean that crying yeah and i'm like why am i crying again i don't cry that often so yeah. by far they're amazing name someone who you have not seen in a dream scenario that you would like to see at the ryman so i don't know if this will count well i actually have two answers to this question one my what I want to say is I have always, and this is a weird fact about me, but I'm just going to go with it. I love Britney Spears yeah. from like a small kid. I mean, now I, she is, she can come see me as a client. Like she, right. I know there's some stuff going on with her, but I <laughs> loved, loved you'd like, them. you'd like to see her perform a, and then you'd like, like to, to meet with her after stage. Yeah. You're like, all right, let's um, break some stuff down here. Totally. Brit. But to see her, I think I've, I've seen her live, but her show, she's just a performer. So I love her. I just had to say that because Britney Spears is my girl. Right. But the concert that I, one person I do really actually want to see that's probably a possibility and it's going to happen is, do you know who Dermot Kennedy is? Do not. 
Oh, he's so good. So I'm actually going to see him in February at the Ryman. So and your I, dream scenario uh, yes. is happening next yes. month. I'm well, there excited. you go. Well, yes, we're yes. going to have to do this uh, podcast again, part After. two, for some yeah. for some reviews yeah. on that. Okay, so we are going to transition into running the 615 speed sessions. Okay, oh. I don't know if you've listened to this podcast before. You said you listened to Megan Connor. Yes. So this is rapid fire questions, all right? so Okay, I just press start. Okay, do you like running on roads or running trails? Roads, I've never run a trail. Wow. It scares me, I don't want to break my ankle. Yeah, you should look into it, it's fun. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. For what sure. is your favorite music genre? Favorite kind of music? Like random indie people. <laughs> random indie independence. Random independence. That's a good. That's a good. That's that's original. That's a good answer. What is your favorite restaurant in Nashville? Oh my god! Can I give you five things? Oh my god! Ooh. You can say more than one. Absolutely. So quickly to Calypso Cafe. I eat it like fifteen times a week. I love old school tavern. Oh my god, San Anejo. Oh, there, yeah. Bar Taco has the best margaritas in Nashville. I think. They're great answers. Good job. Do you like coffee, tea, soda, water, or alcohol? Tea. Definitely tea. Do you like matcha the, lattes? Matcha lattes. Yes. yes. What is that? It's like a concentrated form of green tea. It's like a powder. Okay. But then it's in a latte form. It's not coffee at all. Nope. But it's got a lot of caffeine in it. Oh, boom! Mm-hmm. Dogs or cats? Okay, I'm not the biggest animal person, but I have been contemplating getting a dog because I want to run with a dog, oh, not because good. I actually want to take care of it. Maybe that dog. <laughs> <laughs> Love the honesty. Want a dog? Don't want to take care of it. There's ways you can do that yeah. nowadays. Uh, are you a talker or a listener? I'm naturally a talker, but I have to be a listener for my job. That one really applies to you. Yeah. You are both, yeah. Catherine. Uh, beach or mountains? Mountains. What annoys you? Many things. <laughs> Dishonesty in the sense of like when people lie about little things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not somebody who gets annoyed by like people's little mannerisms. That doesn't um, matter. I mean, smacking food, but I think that annoys most people. Right. Something that is not good for you that you do anyway. Probably social media being too tied to it. But right now I'm on a break. So something that's not good for me that I do a lot anyway is just like looking at things and accounts that I shouldn't be. Right. That aren't helpful. Gotcha. Yeah. And something that is good for you that you wish you did more of. Rest. I'm a very like I'm always doing something. Mm-hmm. Always. Like I can't sit down. If I have an hour, I'm doing something. So I think something I should be doing more of is nothing. Yeah. Love it. Do you like cookies or candy? Well, that's depends on the candy. You can like, say favorite cookie or favorite candy. Okay. No, so you can say both. Reese's, but with like a holiday edition, like an egg or a Christmas tree, those are better than the normal ones. Gotcha. So that's like favorite it. candy. Yep. And then cookie uh, uh, I love, oh, the Christy cookie, white chocolate, cherry cookie is so, that's one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. Nice answers there. This one really is pointless for you, I would think. What's your favorite sports team? <laughs> <laughs> so I will say I do, I do like the Preds. And yeah. I will say, well, you I was Roman going Ro- to. You and Roman yeah, Yossi are such good friends. We're of really course, close. You have to like and them. so I have to support my friend. But yeah, that's probably the only sport I actually do watch. That's a good one. Yeah, Preds are super fun. Where is your dream vacation spot? I don't know. Mm, I don't know. I want to. S- 
See, I'm the kind of person who likes a lot of things. So this is really painful to have to pick something. I have never been over. I've never been out of the country except to go to the Dominican to a resort and to on a cruise. So I think it would be cool to go see more of the world. I'd love to go to Ireland. Ooh, I yeah. think. Nice. Yeah. I'm same. Uh, yeah. North America is the only place this guy's been. Who is your celebrity crush? Oh God. So, if you would have asked Roman me this, Yossi. no, yeah, he's now <laughs> married to like a beautiful model, so I think he's happy. I will say, if you would have asked me this as a teenager, it would have been very easy. I was obsessed with Chad Michael Murray, and then later I was obsessed with Joe Jonas. <laughs> Joe who? Joe Jonas of the Jonas Brothers. Oh, the Jonas. <laughs> I loved him. You, you, you actually looked down yeah, when like, you said so it. Embarrassed. So I didn't catch the Joe um, Jonas. Okay. Anyway, but the, now. I actually don't know. What is your favorite TV show or movie? Favorite TV show, definitely New Girl. Love 100%. It. Zoe. Also, yes, yes. Yes. Also, I'm obsessed with the Netflix series You. Have you watched oh, it? I have not. Oh my God, it's so good. Why are you? Yes. And then movie, this has always been my favorite movie, Where the Heart Is. It's really old, but yeah. I just... Has That's always it. been my favorite. Good. Yeah. yeah. That's a good good answer. Mm-hmm. You, you knew those right away. Yeah. Best way to recover after a long or difficult run. Mm-hmm. I dr- love drinking chocolate milk after every race. Ooh, yeah. So and I, I the love St. chocolate Jude, milk. They didn't have any. Okay. So my friends walked me around Comment downtown Memphis until we found chocolate milk. Yeah. But other than that, I usually stand in front of my freezer and chug a Powerade <laughs> Good thinking. No, it's, uh, it's uh, sounds right. What are you afraid of? Oh my god! Do you want like a surface phobia or like a deep down? Either. You're asking a therapist. If I could take this some places, that's why we went there. I mean, you, yeah, I think I don't know. Now um, I'm intrigued. Now yeah. I so I think I'm afraid of a. I'm afraid of a lot of like little things, like snakes and stuff like that. I'm afraid right. of. But I think one of my biggest fears is like not fulfilling. I think what I'm here on this earth to do not or in that my other fear is because right now I, I'm just like going along in my life doing what's the next thing that's presented to me going with it. I think as my path has been unfolded to me, I think one of my biggest fears is what if I don't like where my life is supposed to go? So I think that's that's a that's my biggest fear of not not knowing if I'm going to actually like the life that God has chosen for me. Yeah. So not knowing right now if this path that you've been on, if you're going to look back on it and be happy that you were on that path. Right. Because I think most people have an idea in their head what they want their life to look like. Mm-hmm. And 100%, I never would have chosen this life for me. Now I have a lot of gratitude for it. Mm-hmm. But there are still things that I would like to happen for myself. And I think I'm afraid that if God chooses not to have those things be a part of my plan or if he has chosen for that not to be a part of my plan, I'm going to be disappointed Mm -hmm. at the end. And I think I'm afraid of being disappointed. I like it. Good, good answer. So you say music or no music while you're running. Okay. So a couple things. It depends on what kind of run I'm going on. So if I need to clear my head or process something, no music, if I'm trying to, like, if I want to run fast, I probably need to have music on. But if I'm just going for a run, I listen to podcasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Running 615, you ever heard of that podcast? Totally. <laughs> well, think about it. <laughs> watch or no watch when you run? So no watch unless I'm trying to figure out 
if I'm training for a race, if, unless I need to know distance. Gotcha. Distance you are sometimes concerned with, time never. Yes. Best part of living in Nashville. I mean, there's always something to do. The people here, I think what I said earlier, there's the people here and there's always something to do. Yeah. Yep. Would you go uh, rather airplane trip or road trip? It depends on how far. Mm. I love a road trip. Yeah. With a lot of snacks. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Good call. Something you want to do before you die? Like physically or just in general? In general. Oh, these open-ended questions. I What I would like to do before I die. I think there's a lot of things career-wise I would like to do, like taking what I'm doing now into a bigger picture kind of thing. I do like speaking, and so I would like to do more of that. But I think personal-wise, before I die, I would like to have a family and kids. Yeah, great. Yeah. You could have just said treat Britney Spears as her therapist. So that would have been, <laughs> Wait, we, we've thing, covered it already. I like, like, take everything back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you have an in with her? I don't, but now I wish I did. I think that'd be great. I just want to, I want if to. If you're listening yeah. and you have an in with Britney. <laughs> we already have her therapist. She's here yeah. in Nashville. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Oh. Uh, uh. Okay, I don't like breakfast foods. Like I don't like eggs. I don't like sausage or anything like that. But I do love like, uh, so not breakfast dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. What makes you happy? Oh, so many things. You got great friends. Yeah. That one. Yeah. So many things. I think people make me like relationships make me happy. Yeah. What has running taught you? Uh, again, so many things. I think it's taught me patience. It's taught me strength. It's, taught me things that I didn't want to know. Like it's helped me learn kind of parts of who I am. One thing I think that it has taught me is that a lot of us are more connected than we are separated. It's just, are we willing to, to go there? Cause think about how many different kinds of runners there are. We can all be running the same race for different reasons. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Is there any misconception about you? A hundred percent. Yes. Because I think, well, I don't know, this would be a question for somebody else, I think, to help me answer. But I think that I'm the, because I am optimistic, I'm really fun. Do you know the Enneagram? Do you know anything about the Enneagram? Mm -mm. Oh my God. Okay. That is so not natural of you. What is it called? The Enneagram. It's a personality test. Oh yeah. So I'm a seven. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I'm a seven. And so that sevens are these like fun, outgoing people. People want to be with these people. I think a misconception is that like, I'm like that all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's always how I want to be. And it's not, I have a lot of time where I actually have to chill out and like, I'm sad too. Sometimes I just don't always show it the same way. Right. So I think a misconception is one, and this is one of the reasons I'm not on social media as much right now is because I think people think that my life, I have it all together and my life is perfect and it's so not. And I'm sick of making people think that because that's right. not helpful for anybody. Right. But yeah, that I'm a human too. And I have feelings just like anybody else. And I'm a therapist and I still have to go to therapy. Right. Like I go every Thursday. Because you know the benefits of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, the so I've filled out personality tests multiple times within work, within like just realizing like, you know, things about yourself, so forth. And when I'm answering the questions, like one of the last ones we did is just a ton of questions and so forth. I I feel like 
I was like, am I answering this question mm-hmm. because that's what I think about myself? Or is that, am I answering this question because that's what everyone else knows about me? Like I have uh-huh. a trouble distinguishing between what I actually am and what people see me as. A, and I well, think and a lot, what you want the answer to be. Yeah. I think a lot of times though, that I really do feel like I actually am the person that people will see me Which as is like, great. Yeah. Like that's Which is pretty, great. I would I'm suggest comfortable in that place. If you are, yeah. So I would suggest looking into the Enneagram because you can take a test online and answer questions, but the way they really encourage you to figure out what you are is to read about the different types and see which one fits the most to you because you're going to know yourself better than questions on a test. And there's so much room for error in the Enneagram. It's not so much which behaviors do you do the most? Because we'll all have different, some of the same behaviors of all the personality types. It's why you do these behaviors. And you're the only one that's going to know what's my motivation behind this. Interesting. That will happen. Look it up. Yeah. For sure. What's your favorite holiday? My birthday. Yes. (laughs) December 4th. Is that what you said? Yeah. I'm a December baby as well. December is a great month to be born in. Most anyone I've ever met born in December, I'm a huge fan of. So that's not... (laughs) the wrong answer. That's perfect. What do you think people in life get wrong? And what I mean by that is a lot of times people think like they've got a grasp on something and you're like, eh, I don't think that's right. Happiness. Like what makes you happy? I think that's it. Definitely. Because one, we have a picture and we even I work with mostly eating disorders. And so a lot of people will say like, Catherine, if I am that size or if I look like that, things will be better for me. Mm-hmm. And time and time again, it's not true. It's there's something underneath. What are you really wanting? You aren't wanting to be smaller. You're wanting something that you think you're going to get when you're smaller. So I think the key to happiness, I think people get wrong a lot. And that's okay because I think the way to learn most things is by trial and error. Right. So they're seeking something that they feel like is going to bring them happiness and then they get it and they realize that's not what yeah. they thought. They they realize what they got thinking it would bring them happiness oftentimes doesn't. Yep. Very good answer. Um, who inspires you? <laughs> uh, you touched on this a little bit. Yeah, Actually, I wanted to go I, back to that, but you said people that, you know, get up and, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, get after it in mm-hmm. life. Yeah, I don't have a specific person. I think from just knowing what I know about people in general, just people inspire me. So if you're getting up and living your life and going towards things, that inspires me. Because again, I never know, even at Cycle Bar, I teach at 6 a.m. sometimes and I'm like, God, you guys get up every morning at 6 a.m. to come do this thing. Like, I have no idea what is going on with you behind Mm -hmm. that. Like, it's tough enough just to wake up at 5 a.m., but you're doing it to work out. Like what? So people that live their life inspire me. It's a simple answer. Love it. What is your favorite book or do you have a favorite quote? I don't have a favorite book. I think that one of my favorite authors to read is Brene Brown, which Mm -hmm. do you know who that is? Mm -hmm. She's a social worker, researcher, professor. I mean, she's like, real in it in the psychology world right now, but she has some books, Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong are three of my favorite books of hers that have, that were really helpful to, in my, the beginning of me figuring out who I was. And what's her name again? Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Yeah. yeah. She's great. She's coming out with a podcast I just heard. Really? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I've already uh, interviewed, I'm currently interviewing the top therapist oh, in okay. Nashville, <laughs> uh, given an award by yeah. Nashville Fit Magazine as top rated 
mental health professional. In Nashville. In Nashville. That's what the people said. And your practice is? Three Chords Therapy. And you are located? 21st Avenue South. Nice. Yeah. And you've you've had your practice for how long? So I opened a private practice in 2017. Yeah. Uh, So it's three years. Good for you, man. Yeah. Super cool. What one piece of advice would you give your younger self? Just move to Franklin. You're in the second grade. You could go back and give that second grader some advice. What are you going to tell her? Oh, man. I would want to tell her a lot of things. And then again, I wouldn't want to tell her those things because I think I needed to figure them out the way I did. But if there's anything I could shake into her brain is like, you're okay the way you are. You don't need to do anything else. Like people like you. Like, I think that's what I would want her to know. I don't know if that's advice. That's just... Be okay with who you are. Mm-hmm. Is it better to be physically tough or mentally tough? <laughs> oh, I'm going to say mentally. <laughs> yeah. Most because people I think say men- mentally tough, but yeah. yeah, I mean. Mentally can turn into physically, mm-hmm. right? So running is so much mental. Like it's not that I'm stronger than somebody who quit at mile 15. I just have the mental capacity. Yeah. To persevere. What is your favorite race distance? If you could pick one distance to run, which one do you like the best? For an actual race, mm-hmm. a half marathon. Yeah. Because you don't good. have to like run too fast, like a 10K, but then you don't have to do it twice like a marathon. It's the sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather run in the hot or run in the cold? Cold. Like it better when it's cold? Very cold. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Last one, Catherine, what is the purpose of life? The purpose of life, man, I don't know that there is a pur- one purpose of life. I think everybody probably has a different purpose. I think my purpose right now is to love people well and I think and be with people. I think it's that simple. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a good answer for somebody yeah. who did not want to answer that question. Yeah. I think you hit it out of the park. Thank you. I needed that validation. <laughs> um, thank you for coming and being on this podcast. Congratulations on being named the top mental health therapist in Nashville. That is thank a cool you. honor. Yeah. Hopefully most of the running 615 audience will be coming to see you because we are now encouraging <laughs> everyone to get therapy. You need therapy. Yes. Uh, we are going to go ahead and label you running 615 podcast actual therapist. Okay, great. Okay, so I'm like, here. you're like our therapist for this show show. But I do appreciate you coming on and talking about some of this stuff. It is very fascinating to me Mm -hmm. to learn a little bit more of kind of the insides Mm -hmm. uh, to people in both the mental and uh, physical side of exercise, but just had a lot of great insight Mm -hmm. on that. So thanks for coming to share that with us. (laughs) But man, thank you so much for being here, Catherine. This was super fun. I hope you have a good 2020 and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Okay.